Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. As old millennials, we've been prioritizing health and wellness a lot more these past few years. While we may not be Spencer pratting it up, just not just yet. I mean, Emily, don't, don't count us out here. With crystals on our bodies... <laughs> We are thinking how much more we need to stay hydrated. Recently, I started traveling with at least one liquid IV stick in my bag to make sure I'm staying extra hydrated, especially when it gets hotter or after a night of a little too much fun. Liquid IV is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. Use it the first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel a rundown, or after a long night out and on long flights. My sister recently got married, and as her maid of honor, I put liquid IV sticks in all the bachelorette party bags, and my sister and her husband put them in their goodie bags when we traveled to Costa Rica for the wedding. Those came in super handy after hitting an open bar in the sweltering heat. I'm a big fan of, yeah, it was very nice to have. I'm a huge fan of the watermelon ones and the tangerine flavor, which has an immune boost, even better when you're traveling and worried about keeping your immune system going. They fit easily in a toiletry case or even a tiny purse, so it's super easy to pour one in your water bottle. One stick of liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone and contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C, with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks and probably, I mean, I know for a fact because I recently had a Gatorade, uh, a much better taste. Oh, absolutely. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code OLDMILLENNIALSPOD. That's OLDMILLENNIALSPOD at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code OLDMILLENNIALSPOD at liquidiv.com. Bye. Our podcast producer, my 12-year-old Boston Rat Terrier, Murray, has a very discerning palate. Luckily, Nom Nom's Turkey Fair recipe not only has fresh ingredients, but it's also made with his favorite food, brown rice. It sure is. Nom Nom's food is full of fresh proteins your dog loves and the vitamins and nutrients they need to thrive. You can actually see proteins and vegetables like beef, chicken, pork, peas, carrots, kale, and more. Your dog's health starts in the gut, and a better diet means softer coats, more energy, and better breath. This is how Nom Nom works. You tell them about your dog, age, breed, weight, 
allergies, protein preferences. They'll tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them straight to you. Store the meals in the freezer or fridge until it's mealtime. They'll give you specific instructions on how to transition your dog from foods like kibble to the always fresh nom nom for the best results. Watch your dog clean their dishes, dance for more dinner, and overall thrive. And if your dog is anything like Murray, ooh, he is going to dance for dinner and clean his dish sometimes at the same time. Isn't it time to feel good about the food you're feeding your dog? Order Nom Nom today. Go to trinom.com slash old millennials. That's trinom.com slash old millennials and get 50% off your first order plus free shipping. Bye. Hello. Hi. Welcome back to Old Millennials, a deep dive on shallow topics, not from the 90s and 2000s, but from today. And in particular, back to our And Just Like That recaps. I am one of your hosts, Emily Bejan. And I am your other host, Marco Poupard. So it had to end at one point. It had to come to a culmination. And what better way to take it out than with a Catholic mass metaphor where Carrie says to all her disciples, Take this bread, eat from it. This is my body, my shoe collection, and the final dinner in my home where I get to say more than one word at the dinner table compared to everyone else that I asked to just say one word. That was a very loose interpretation. Oh, and her bras. Yes, her bras. Emily, come on. Just hanging hanging loosey-goosey like a work of art. My God. Well, I'm saying that like Luce, the jewelry designer, which I know that's not her name, but I refuse to commit it to memory because I think that she's the worst. (laughs) Her and Che are in a tie for worst person on the show. And I think that she wins over Che because at least – Che um, is less, an- well, I wouldn't say less annoying, but less good stuff happens to Che. So I'm, yes. I'm more on Che's side than on Luce's side. I, I would agree. And I'll talk more about this when we talk about episode 11. But I was mm-hmm. left, speaking, speaking of those two, I was left to think something may come up in season three between those two. I don't know about you. Oh, I have a completely different interpretation. I think Che is going bye-bye come season three because, and we can get into this later, but I'm sure you saw all those comments that Sara Ramirez made. It They, they were interviewed by another non-binary writer talking about, and just like that, and apparently this non-binary writer took Sara Ramirez to task about the way that they were portrayed or some of the things that Che had to say. And Sara felt some type of way about it. So they put up an Instagram post basically saying, if you, this is to the writer, if you have a problem with the way that Che is written, maybe you should take it up with the the gay white man who is in charge of this entire show, which kind of goes Good back for to the main point. That's like, I don't know. Should Michael Patrick King be running this room? Like, no, I don't have a problem with the, with his vision. Consulting uh, producer. Well, even as a director, I don't really have a problem with his sensibilities about how he wants to shoot it. I have more of like an issue with him overseeing the whole story because, as we've pointed out time and again throughout this summer season, we every episode that you and I have really liked has not had anything to do with Michael Patrick King, and every episode no. we've had issues with, it was written solely by him and or him and another writer, where clearly he's overpowering the other writer. Because what are you going to do? This is the man who's like been a part of the show since the beginning. You're not going to sit here and like fight for jokes against him. And and I have to One- say the. Fin- 
finale had zero no jokes. jokes. 100%. Except for Harry. Harry think, talking about ass virginity was legit the only time I laughed. I laughed Harry, very hard. Harry was so uncomfortable and him just being like, yes, he he only said it to me and I didn't even know this was a thing I needed to know about, <laughs> but now I know it. And it was more about like that actor and Harry and Charlotte's relationship, which was the true MVP of the season yes. than anything else. But yeah, so I don't think that Che is going to come back. That is my personal story because the okay. way that I felt like it wrapped up pretty well for Che. I don't really see them coming back. And I think that that's for the best. I agree. Um, I will say uh, what you brought up with Michael Patrick King is just one thing I will say, and then we'll, we'll get into it. But I think what, and just like that suffers from is very similar. I think I've said this before to what the Will and Grace reboot suffered from, Mm -hmm. which is both being very cutting edge for their times. And in both cases, having uh, showrunners be gay men. Uh, Now, you know, what was cutting edge in 1999, 2001, and and ironically, both shows that started airing around the same time and whose reboots, Will and Grace's came a little earlier, but I digress. Uh, You realize these people are trying to make up for time past and doing so in a way that presents their very limited view of their own evolution. And while I can't expect everyone to be in uh, the know-all end-all about everything, mm-hmm. I do think that's where if you are going to go down the reboot route, you really need to not only refresh in your writer's room to bring in those perspectives, but also give them some ra- like the reins, right? Or yes. and, and I think and, that's, that's more of the problems that I think, and just like that, and to your point, Will and Grace suffered from was a little a little too tight on the reins and needed to loosen up because I feel like when the the reins were loosened and people got to really tell whatever story they wanted to tell within the and just like that universe i think that you and i generally had a more fun time like i think my favorite episode of the whole season was the halloween themed one me too and and also the one where carrie dates um uh the guy from the bike lane i thought that was like one of the funniest episodes they'd had in forever it felt like and that had nothing to do with michael patrick king so yeah i think you're right i think that I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying that they should be completely shut out, but I just think that maybe they should let other people do more stuff and yeah. let them have more input and have more jokes and do more passes because, yeah, it was just you can really feel his hand and it and it feels very heavy. And we yes. can talk about that more, especially with episode 10 and the whole Shinto monk of it all, because like, oh, my God, like, I feel oh like that. my God, I feel like that. Per- I feel like Michael Patrick King's personal story and connection to that and why he wanted to do this to Stanford is a prime example of why he shouldn't have final say sometimes because it comes across as like tone deaf and privileged and just like and so just like cringe in a way that cringe in a way that doesn't even make sense for that character i'm not saying that people have to be like perfect super cool people that's not what i'm trying to say no i just feel like of course the writers aren't going to be like oh that doesn't really make any sense because you can't say that to your boss really so that's why i feel like his presence should maybe be like minimized just a just a bit just a bit going forward so that the other writers voices can shine and obviously they also need to start getting rid of characters yes they got rid of che and they got rid of loose you know, then I could, then we, now we're kind of cooking with some gas here. Like we're now we got, some we got something. So, cause we're so let's fucking people in Carrie's apartment. I'll tell you that. 
All right. Uh, yes, yes, indeed. And, right? and and with, I think we, yes, I think this is where we kind of give an overview of what we're covering here, because obviously, as we mentioned, we are recapping, but specifically we are recapping the last two episodes of season two, which would be uh, episode 10, the last supper, which I believe is called the appetizer. Or is it prelude prelude no, to the appetizer? It's, it's, ap- it's appetizer. And then it's it the last supper. And then it's the last supper, the entree, if you will. So uh, there are these last two episodes. I think the best way to kind of do this and what, how we've done it is really talk through some of the like plots, the A plot plots and B plots of these episodes. Um, So I think what we can kind of get into first and foremost is episode 10, uh, which is the appetizer. Um, We kind of have, let's, let's talk about our main three first. Uh, We've got, Carrie, who's, you know, preparing to move in which, uh, Luce is getting the fucking deal of the century, uh, with this, um, with this apartment. I don't want to know what Carrie sold it to her for, because it will make me angry. Um, but it, she, they're doing what I told you that they were going to do, yes, which was you, you Carrie is it. going to, Carrie is going to sell loose this apartment for, you know, a dollar or whatever, some steal. And I appreciate that Seema is immediately mean to her because I am Seema. I'd be like, fuck you. You don't get this sushi. You fucking ungrateful little twat. Go get your own shit. You just stole this apartment out from under someone. If anything happens to this show and it eventually does get canceled, I just want Seema to get her own spinoff because I find her life to be so fun, vibrant, and I do enjoy when she is mean to anyone under the age of 30. Like I fucking live for it. Oh, well, you think Luce is under 30? I think Luce is in her 30s. That's what I think. Uh, barely. Barely. She's I would supposed say. to be an analog to Carrie. That's what I think. But I yeah. also think back to your SEMA point. Um, yes, in theory, I would like to see a SEMA spinoff because her, you know, her life is full of, you know, a bitchy gay coworker and a bitchy gay guy who also gives her blowouts. But mostly I did not like SEMA in love or like in a relationship. I thought that I don't know what they decided to do to her, but um, all I know is that knockoff Taika Waititi was not worth the um, doom to her character that we had worked so hard to finally get to know a little bit more this season. Yeah, I think that this show was like in a rush to get Seema into a relationship like which was going to happen at one point like it was going to be a plot line explored because it had already been somewhat explored at the end of last season early this season but I think to your point Ravi the director Taika Waititi uh, stand-in that we have here uh, just kind of is is like there in passing between his phone conversations and like no matter how much Carrie tries to tell me in the next episode that he's clearly interested which I'm sure he is to an extent I just yeah I feel like they did seem a dirty by like having this very quick swept up situation where she's in a relationship and it just seems kind of half-assed like I just think Seema deserves better than that Totally. And I think that we deserve more of like a since she's supposed to be a Samantha analog, more of like a Samantha like build up into a serious relationship. What I think happened or at least, you know, we can only interpret what we've seen. And I refuse to listen to that podcast because similar to if I have to explain to you why a joke is funny, then that's not funny anymore. And it's not funny anymore. I don't need the writers to explain to me why we did or didn't see Aiden at the end of the uh, Aiden's farmhouse. At the end of the day, we didn't fucking see it. So I don't really give a shit what the excuse is. Uh, And I genuinely hope that, you know, 
when this writer's strike is over and the writers get everything that they want, thank God, and so do actors, I hope that they kind of increase this budget for this Max original that's like a number one show so that they can kind of like shoot in more locations because like I don't really, I get that it's a New York show, but like, yeah, come on. Like I feel yes. like you can kind of feel it stretching the seams. But my main point is my problem with the SEMA relationship and to another extent, like putting Carrie into a relationship, it's like, it's all, I know that they didn't know if they were going to have a season three or not, but the way that they set it up is like, they put these women in the relationship and they're like, oh shit, we have a whole another season we need to plan for. And we need to have these bitches single. So they immediately got them out of these relationships. So I feel like oh the God. ramp up was really abrupt, especially with SEMA. Yes. Because we don't spend enough time with her. And then the breakup was also more like, you have this man on the side of the street, like screaming about the Sphinx for like seven hours. And you're like, I don't really know what, what I'm supposed to take away from this other than like, he's kind of annoying, but like he's yeah. never around so okay oh, oh boy yeah yes yes um it I don't is know. I it's yeah I don't weird. know either it's, it's all haste it, it was all very hastily put together um towards the end and I think mm-hmm. uh this they tried to walk the fine line of wrapping things up enough in the event that things do get things did get canceled but still leaving the door open but in doing so just like gave us a very not a great resolution. Like I, I don't find myself intrigued to see what happens with Seema's, you know, whatever ship with this man. Uh, but at the same time, I'm also like, yeah, I just feel like there's no, there's no resolution. So I feel like you're, you're in this position where, yeah, it just doesn't, it feels kind of half-assed on both sides. And I'm, I just, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not happy with the resolution. Um, so going back to Carrie, I think we should just talk through like the, the big, cliffhanger at the end because you know it's really kind of top of mind um and then we'll and then we'll talk about everybody else but let's just get it over with let's just get it over with because this whole thing you and i've talked about it offline but like and i wrote it in my notes for like the finale but why doesn't anybody on this show understand the concept of grounding your child like yes Aiden's son calls his mom a bitch then hitchhikes hitchhikes 30 miles to his dad's farm which like Okay, I, I I'm so sorry. I don't believe that. Not one no, bit. You're telling no. me that I'm not from Virginia. You are obviously, but like if if somebody in Virginia saw a kid on the side of the road hitchhiking for a ride, I'm so sorry, but cops no. would immediately get involved. This kid called yes. a fucking lift, call it what it is. But the fact that if the sh- if the tables were turned, if I did that, say I I hitchhiked away from my dad's house, I went to my mom's house, she's not there, I got drunk and I smashed her car into a tree, I would still currently be grounded. The fact that Aiden isn't even upset that his kid did a fucked up shitty thing, which in any other realm, any other parent I know would be disciplining their child instead of throwing their life away for their child. It is just deranged. Not to mention his his crying in the car. I'm like, oh, my God. In high school, someone we know broke their collarbone at a party and it's and he continued drinking and partying until the next morning. He was fine. I mean, he's not a good yes. person, but he was fine physically. It's a yes. fucking broken collarbone. It's not the end of the world. It's a broken leg. He's 14. He'll recover in no time. Give Here's- me a break. Okay. I have a lot of thoughts here. Um, no. Okay. This is so, now your turn yes. to rant about how yes. Aiden is a shit parent. <laughs> I, I'm reclaiming my time now. So here we go. Here is how I feel about all of this. If 
if there are so many rocky points in this relationship when it comes to who the kids like to spend time with versus who they don't like to spend time with, and what sounds to me like we'll learn more about in the final episode, that the mom's just hasn't always been around and has been on business quite a bit. I don't know how Aiden is just kind of jumping into this. Yeah, let's move to New York of it all. Like if this is really what the landscape is like back at home with your 14 year old son, there would not have been this like we need to immediately move in together. We're going to figure this out. Like there would have been so much more consideration put into this move. And I talked about this earlier when we were recapping other episodes, which is that I didn't buy Aiden just kind of dr- jumping into this, even if the re- her, his two other sons are older, which is weird because he seems so nonchalant about it in previous episodes and then later brings up the fact that, you know, well, they still kind of need me, even though they're 19 or whatever. Like, it just doesn't make sense. I think you can't have it both ways. You need to either have like, Aiden didn't realize this or and like as all of a sudden realizing all of this or that Aiden is well aware from the get go like this is a big situation and change of plans of how their lifestyle is going to be. Um, But it just seems to me also in the year of our Lord 2023, let's talk about how no whatever they're being called these days, Gen Alpha, I suppose, whatever's post um, Gen Zers uh, is hitchhiking. Like, that's just not a thing. That is not happening. It's it's not not happening. happening. I'm so sorry. I understand. I understand that Lyft is technically like organized hitchhiking, but that's very different than sticking your thumb on the side of the road. He would have fully been kidnapped. Like, Like you said, you cannot have it both fucking ways. And the thing that I find the most fucked up in the finale is that Aiden, I mean, if I were Carrie, like my hackles would be up the way that he speaks about his ex-wife, essentially diminishing her contributions as a mother by God forbid she has a job. And he's like, or her boyfriend is like, the fuck you've been fucking Carrie in New York this whole time. What are you trying to say? He just seems, I'm so sorry. He seems like a shitty dad and even shittier partner. And I I told you they succeeded in making us fucking hate Aiden. That's what they wanted. They did it. Congratulations. They did it. Congratulations. And and like they've taken away what is otherwise seemed to be like for the most part, a pretty decent co-parenting situation, which like, or at least it seemed that way, which was really upsetting that they, all of a sudden he's like, fuck Kathy. She is a fucking idiot. And she's just always traveling. It's like, Oh my God, where's this coming from? Rosemarie DeWitt does not deserve this. I wrote that literally in my notes. I was like, how dare you speak of Rosemarie DeWitt this way? Uh, The way that he speaks about his ex-wife to me would be a major red flag, right? Because if he talks about his ex-wife this way, how the fuck did he talk about you all those years to his ex-wife? You know what I mean? Like, just think about it a little, Carrie. No. She clearly doesn't. She so, refuses to. The last but she was minutes, worried. She was yes. worried about, you know, the whole Wyatt future school shooter situation. Because this, guess what? This kid is only going to get worse from here on out. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that he's calling his mama B, what do you think he's going to call you, Carrie Bradshaw? What do you think this kid is going to fucking call you? All right? Am I right? Um, <laughs> I mean, I, last... I wouldn't want to know what he calls Carrie to his friends if he even has any. The last three minutes are probably online incels in an MRA community. Let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) And and, I'm MRA subreddit. So uh, let's talk about the last, but how the last three minutes of this episode play out, which reminds me very much of a very special episode of, um, uh, you may remember the 80s sitcom Growing Pains. Uh, There is an episode in which Carol Seaver, the middle child, goes on a date with her boyfriend, Sandy, played by a young pre-friends, Matthew Perry. 
and he gets into a car accident with a drunk driver and gets killed. And we find that out in the last three minutes when when uh, Kirk uh, Cameron gets uh, Mike Seaver, the older brother, gets a phone call from Sandy's parents that Sandy has just died in a car accident. And then we are just left with people weeping and being uh in shock and it very much just goes to that very quickly and it reminded me a show that's supposed to have like you know this evolved like budget just like supposed to have these incredible has these incredible writers the flack fact of the last three minutes reminded me of an 80s sitcom it did have it's like, very he, telling as soon as you said very special episode, the way that Aiden cries. Like, yes! It is, he's just like, oh, oh, it, it is so, I'm like, it, it's very like all this over a cheeseburger. Like, you need to get a yes! fucking holding yourself. Where's Kathy? Because I bet you Kathy's in there handling shit. But mm-hmm. Aiden's out here completely falling apart, seeing how he should have been there. Like, how would you being there have changed much of anything? I agree. Um, the one pro on the Aiden side of the house this episode, I will say. I refuse say, to give it to him, but okay. <laughs> that we finally got an acknowledgement that Steve and Aiden were once oh, yeah. friends and owned a business together. <laughs> if it wasn't so late when I was watching that episode initially, I I was going to text you because I was like, Emily got her wish. And There's they even had their like little handshake. And they even acknowledged the fact that they owned a bar together. At, yes, I swear to God. Where, yes, where Brady works. You and I, the previous episode that we recorded right before that came out, you and I both said, I need Aiden and Steve to acknowledge each other's existence. And I bet you Luce bought that fucking apartment for a dollar. And both of our predictions came true, baby. These writers are no match for us. Margo, can we talk about how between episode 10 and episode 11, we got more closure in Coney Island than just about anywhere else in the New York, the greater New York City five boroughs. Like... Between Miranda and Steve in the next episode, having their little closure, dot, like conversation, which was nice. And then this moment. I have thoughts on that. Knowledge, but okay. <laughs> look, it's not ideal, but at least it's some level, as much closure well, as we're going to get in the show. Oh, totally. We will get to that. But yes, I, I <laughs> much like your let, let Miranda piss <laughs> slogan, um, Coney Island is for closure. <laughs> it should be another shirt, I think. And an, an F-O-R space. <laughs> C-L-O-S-U-R-E, not foreclosure. Not not foreclosure, but like for like the word for space and then closure is what, you know, not foreclosure. Like Coney Island itself is going out of business and having like a giant liquidation sale where they're going to give you the cyclone for free, you know? Um. And as somebody who's never been to Coney Island, I was like, I guess this place has like healing powers. Yeah, healing powers and hot dogs. That's really it. Um, so so I think we've got enough out of Carrie. I we'll we'll talk about Carrie and Stanford later because that's tied to Anthony. But um, oh. we'll talk about. Sorry. I let, just let's, can't. I can't. Let's quickly just say Miranda to summit. Well, Miranda and Che. Uh, get, Wait. Uh, since we're at this Steve part, though, just quickly yes. before I forget. Sure, sure. Have Steve like fully leaned into like the Miranda, Miranda of it all? Like his voice, I don't know if we've seen Steve more in these last two episodes. So like it feels like it, but he's going like real simple Jack about like this. And like, I don't know. It was like that last episode where they were having their like little tete a tete that he was like, Miranda, I was right about a lot of things. I was like, what is up with this voice? Like, did he always sound like this? Or is it, has I just, have I just not heard him talk a lot lately? 
I bet you Michael Patrick King gave him notes and he was like, <laughs> he's like, David Eigenberg, I need you to be more Steve. I need more Steve, more cowbell, <laughs> more Steve, more cowbell Steve. Yeah, it's just, I don't, every time he like said her name, I just kept laughing. He was just like, Miranda. And just like, oh, you did pretty good there, didn't you, country lurch? I was like, what is this voice? I don't know. It just got me. It got me real good. Okay, sorry. We can circle back to Miranda now, who, as I have been screaming at the top of my lungs, can afford a $7,600 Valentino coat yes. but cannot find a home. I like oh do my not God. understand what the fuck is going on. The wealth I, amnesia. I hope the wealth amnesia and the timeline of just like a general like sense of time, I hope that happens in season three because season two, we got more yes. lightness and brightness. Season three, I hope we get some of this other shit kind of like resolved as well. Like, remember that you have money. Remember that you're an adult and that you can do things. And like, also just give us a sense of like how long, how much time has passed. Because like, I don't really know how long Carrie and Aiden have been dating. I, you know, it's only these two episodes that take place within like a three day period of one Mm -hmm. another. And that's about it. That's the only way other than like holiday, major holidays. And then these last two episodes, have I been able to tell where we are timeline wise? Yeah, Um, it's hard. I I think my best guess is that like Aiden and Carrie have been dating for maybe like six or eight months. I think so. That sounds right. That sounds right. Uh, so, so Miranda, I mean, what, what else to say, really? She takes on, uh, just Miranda on her own, takes on a more prominent role at Human Rights Watch. She gets to go to the UN. We get to see her wear a very expensive outfit that costs way more than her rent. So again, to your point, wealth amnesia. And we get to, she meets someone, I believe it's, is it someone who works for the BBC, I believe, because um, it comes up later. But whoever it is, it's clearly like a potential romantic interest. I don't know. But I think that's that, what they're like leaning towards a little bit. Or at certain, least, yes. I hope that next season we do get like Miranda exploring her sexuality a little bit more and less of this like bumbling Ms. Magoo who can't find a bathroom. <laughs> Or someone like, who can be responsible enough, you know, who's at her, who 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 can like meet her at her level. Um, but all of this is forgotten because uh, Miranda oh decides boy. to join, join Aiden and Carrie uh, as a as a plus one to a night of comedy, if you can call it that. Well, featuring I think our comedy in scare quotes. But yes. even before that, we do have to back up because we do get like. A tenth of a storyline with Dr. Naya because the whole reason why Miranda even agrees to go to this alleged comedy concert in Brooklyn with uh, Carrie and Aiden is because Naya essentially says, oh, Miranda, you always ice out your exes. And then Miranda shows up at the comedy concert and was like, well, I don't want to treat Che like I did Skipper, which I was like, that's a fucking reach. Yeah, I would (laughs) also. I did think think he was going to show up. Oh, really? I also don't think that Miranda ices people out like that, though. Do you get that impression? No. And I think she's bringing up one example in a sea of people where she did not ice people out in the past. I think like they were bringing there's two things here. There's there's Skipper, which is like he was Skipper. Like what what else? Okay, goodbye. And then Steve, which is just like, you know, she didn't done things that well. Like she was kind of an asshole in terms of how she ended things with Steve. Like that's pretty fair. That's that's you fair. Steve, some closure. Also, because you guys are co-parents, like yes. you have to get on a good page with Steve. You can't fully ice him out. And to me, 
that would be the more important relationship to protect and cultivate versus Che, who fucking cares about Che? Yes, but as a effort to your point, as an effort to try to like say that she doesn't ice her exes out, mm-hmm. Miranda tags along to Che's <laughs> comedy question mark showcase. Oh, um, um, in, in the in the words of someone much funnier than me. Where are the jokes? Where, Where are, the, are jokes? the jokes? I so, so, I think that you can say there's a really great saying that's like if you can't say if you can't say it nice, say it funny. And Che can do neither. And I no. think that that's I think it's proven in this scene. During the stand-up routine that Che does, they go into details around Miranda, the relationship they had with Miranda, in many ways very exaggerated, obviously. And uh, needless to say, Miranda's a little pissed because, again, these jokes aren't funny; they're cruel. And mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's yeah, not even jokes; it's a not rant. Jokes. It's a it's rant. a rant against Miranda and what a terrible person she is. And and again, and they to- were not funny; not one no, laugh. They- or not che like if this is what stand-up is going to look like for you during this breakup period then i suggest a therapist and not a stage Uh, emily we go back in the same episode we go back and see a flashback of che watching their old stand-up when they were still um performing as a woman and even those jokes were terrible like she's like oh i've been i'm starving because i've been dating all week it's like these are the worst fucking dated jokes i ha- this yeah. is very like take my wife please kind of comedy it was so yeah. this is where we started from yes. we haven't gotten much better no we haven't um let's get into some writers groups and uh, workshop some of this material understandably uh, so yikes. yes understandably so miranda storms out of the club and uh, Che confronts her and Miranda is just pissed, understandably. And they have this really, you know, dr- very tense conversation. And then later Che uh, runs into someone that they're into that they had met at the veterinarian clinic and uh, who ends up Toby. You know, becoming... Toby, thank you, who ends up becoming a love interest towards the end of this season. Um, we'll talk more about that later for two seconds. Which is, but... which is like a big old like, okay, I guess. <laughs> it's very, yeah. I mean, it's just weird. It's like, wow, that was rough. Do you want to go get a drink? Like, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was rough for Che, who yeah. what, like just told a bunch of bad jokes. Like, who was that rough for? It was rough for yeah. the audience who had to like listen to it. But I think more so than that, I mean. The Carrie's reaction. Yes. If you or I went to yes. a comedy concert and the stand-up comedian went and ripped our friend to shreds for five minutes poorly, yes. you and I would never speak to this person ever again. Ever. Not only Let that, alone. but you would have to hold me back from physically fighting this person because I would be so livid. But we would never speak to this person ever again. So the so, fact that Carrie insists that Shay continue to be a part of her life is not so but so and not only that be there at a intimate dinner seated right around miranda like this is where the carry goes into the sociopath territory <laughs> or, like or the friend amnesia territory it's a bit of both really because it's a yes. sociopath who doesn't feel the the empathy or emotion in this instance and two the fact that carrie has prioritized che and bobby lee as and Ugh. bobby lee's partner as f- better friends than someone like bitsy or i don't know just like a number of other people that oh could have been God. invited to this last supper that we'll talk about in the I, in a second i wish we 
I wish we had Bitsy and her big dick pics at this fucking dinner. You know what? Because I don't give a fuck about Bobby Lee or his partner who can't even finish a fucking dress. I mean, again, it's like I can kind of tolerate Che because I've built up that tolerance a little bit. But like you're telling me that Bitsy, again, big dick busting down, Bitsy isn't invited to this dinner. That's a travesty and a crime. You built you, you you realize this is how the bad the chase situation of it all is that we just refer to her the way you would refer to someone building up an immunity towards a virus. Yes, I've gotten the Che vaccine, so I'm sort of like immune to what they do. <laughs> so um, when Che says in the finale, I thought my jokes were funny, it's like I didn't even get mad. I was like, of course you did, because you have zero fucking funniness to you. You have not a funny bone in your whole body. But of course you thought they were funny because you're a moron, but that's fine. Um, that is kind of the Miranda storyline for this episode. I, you I know, think I you mean know. Miranda. Miranda. <laughs> uh, so on to Charlotte, who Charlotte is fun. You know what? Good for mm-hmm. Charlotte and Harry. They've really been a saving grace this season. They've been a lot of fun to me in the original show. They were always end goals to me in terms of the best couple. Mm-hmm. I always like them the most. I've always been team Charlotte. Um, so Charlotte sells a painting to Sam Smith. Get it, Charlotte. And then we get to celebrate. Sam Smith has a hundred thousand dollars to drop on a painting. Like, good for you, Sam Smith. You go, Sam Smith. They, they they're selling. Yeah. Concert tours, records, I guess. They were just here. Good for Sam Smith. So but I thought that was a celebrating cameo too. I thought that was a yeah, perfect way of including a non-binary person without like shoving See? it down everybody's throat. And then the validation that Rock even thinks that it's cool that her their mom is selling a painting yeah. to Sam Smith was also like that was the, that's the kind of like non-forced diversity we're all kind yes. of asking for. Yes. And then I think the other thing that I appreciate about this episode is Charlotte is finally gets to let loose. All right. After being, you know, first off, if I'm calling my mom, my working mother, uh, because I forgot a notebook in high school, she would have been like tough titties. I mean, like she wouldn't have said it that way. But like on what planet is a working parent going to just drop everything they're doing to go get the notebook that you forgot from school? Like under no circumstances. I don't know those parents. My mom would have had a similar reaction, which would have just been like, sucks to suck, and then would have hung up on me. I mean, the fact that Rock even has the caucasity to call their parent and demand. It's like, you should be responsible. Let this be a lesson to you. Charlotte needed to put it. I I don't know. I don't understand why no one disciplines their kids in this fucking TV show. It drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. Because in the real world, any working parent would be like, wow, that's why I told you you need to pack your bag the night before. I hope this is a lesson to you. Because you know what your kid's not going to learn if you go and save their ass every single time is that you're always going to save their ass every single time. And they're not going to become a responsible adult. They're going to be a scourge on society. So y'all need to like, Get your shit together, Aiden, Charlotte. Like, I'm glad that Harry Everybody. had some, some pushback, but even Charlotte was like, you go and get that folder for Rock. Harry should have been like, no, both of us need to let Rock know that we're working That's and they can't exactly do this it. stuff to us. And I But the way really, that Lily calls Charlotte and bitches at her at her brunch. Oh, my God. That is. I know. What the Awful. fuck is that? Charlotte, I, I was so happy to see Charlotte get super drunk. I don't. I mean, I don't want, I don't wish anybody to destroy their phone, but good for her. She got to have a night out where she'd have to deal with her children. And then when she gets back, she, although drunk, tells them off. And I'm like, thank God someone said something to these kids. And the only good, the only good family member here that night is Richard Burton. Richard Burton. I mean, 
like props to Richard Burton. He is just like, and I love that sh- drunk Charlotte is one of my favorite things. She has always been my favorite drunk of all the cast members. Like that Staten Island episode with the Staten Island iced teas is iconic to me. It's one of my favorite episodes on the show, the original show. So I'm happy to see drunk Charlotte again because she is one of my favorites. Uh, but you it know, was this- just so fucked up when she gets home drunk. And I believe it's, it's like, ew, you're drunk. It's like, fuck you, you ungrateful yeah. little asshole. You kicked your own mother out of her <laughs> house that she had to be in a terrible, loveless marriage to get so that yes. you could eat little pot brownies with your little ungrateful, fucked up friends. And now you're telling your mom that it's gross that she had a good time for once in her life. All of these kids need to be put in jail immediately. Or some terrible boarding school. Agreed. Just um, a boarding school. Like, go yeah. away. Go Put learn how to be an adult and stop oh, fucking no. bothering your mom. Let her have brunch with her fucking friends. What a bunch of jerks. I Yes, I agree. So uh, we uh, so we talked about the main ladies. Uh, I think we, we talked about Seema. We talked about Jay. We talked about... We got to talk about uh, Naya and Lisa. So Naya uh, buys... A very expensive stroller for her ex's baby. So, uh, okay, I have a question. Would you ever do that? Because apparently, this is like a real story. Sam Irby did this, apparently. So, but would you ever do that? I don't think any of my exes deserve my money in any way, shape, or form. But then again, what do I know? No, I mean, if I have that kind of money, maybe, but it's like, Mm, you could spend it on yourself. No, I would spend it on myself. If I'm going to do anything vengeful to my ex, it would be actually it's a great tie into the show because I love that Bridget Moynihan, aka Natasha slash Tom Brady's ex-wife, she scheduled her C-section with their baby around the time that I believe uh, he and Giselle were looking to get married. And I... (laughs) That's that's the petty that I yes. ascribe like like aspire to. I think it would not be spending a thousand dollars on an ex's baby's stroller. Like I just that's just not it for me. But that I will do something petty like that if given the opportunity. Yeah, I don't know if it's spending my own money. You know, as somebody no. who I don't think I even told you this, but I saw an an ex from L.A. while I was in Russian River. And I hid like a fucking infant because I just didn't want to talk to him. I was no, just I like, understand. I can't believe you're here. No. And so the idea and he has a newborn baby with the gal that he let's just say like cheated on me with that he ended up staying with the whole time, which is great or whatever. But if let's say he sent me their baby registry, I would send him back a picture of my middle finger. Like I would not be spending a thousand dollars on some snoo or whatever. I just don't understand a world in which my ex is sending me a uh, no notification about a baby. Like this happens also even in like young adult, like the the catalyst for Charlize Theron going back to her small town. Oh, the movie Young Adult. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I should have clarified. Yeah, the movie Young Adult, the catalyst for Char- Charlize Theron going back to her small like hometown to try to get back with her high school sweetheart is that she gets the announcement of this baby being born, and like I don't get it uh that like again mm-hmm. like these are all things where i just think like if i have an ex in my life i wish them well like great but like generally i'm not i don't think i'm getting baby announcements like just no doesn't that would seem be like really... the... oh sorry what were you gonna say just doesn't seem in the realm of possibility unless you do remain like solid friends with them or something like that afterwards anyone you're not like really talking to anymore you're not getting that notification 
I, I really can't imagine the paperless post, you know, like I no. really find that to be so yeah. bizarre. And like, like I told Sean at the, after we saw past lives, I'm like, you're so fucking lucky. I hate all of my exes. This would never happen. I would never, I don't fantasize, romanticize any fucking life I could have had with any of those losers from my past. So, uh, yeah. so the idea that I'd be getting any sort of baby announcement, that's not like a general Facebook, Instagram, what LinkedIn, if you will, um, getting a baby registry link is not on my bingo card and nor would I ever want it to be. So I don't, it's not that I don't buy Naya doing this. I do just think it's like a weird flex, but okay. Yes. Um, before you go into the, the Stanford send off, which is the weirdest thing I've ever had to experience. Let's just quickly talk about Lisa, which again, continues mm. to be a different show. Um, <laughs> One that would be a good show because I do like hearing about, uh, you know, a married woman in her 50s and how she's juggling a career and like her family and all that. Mm -hmm. But we hear that Lisa's documentary is getting the 10, the Ken Burns treatment and is going to be turned into a 10 part docuseries on PBS. And in the meantime, though, she's dealing with the aftermath of realizing that she is pregnant um, and wondering how she's going to be able to balance the two while getting angry at her husband about not getting a vasectomy. Um, and then that scene was end, so funny when she's like tossing and turning funny. and like punching her pillow. Yes. <laughs> that, was really, that was really funny. Her just like <laughs> harumping her way around. <laughs> But similarly to like the way Carrie leaves things um, at the end of this mm. episode where things take a turn for the worse in the last two minutes, uh, very mm -hmm. similarly does this miscarriage happen, which, you know, we're it's it's not it's not impl it's implied that that is what has happened. It's not told to us. But, you know, we obviously find out the next episode that was the case. But, yeah, very suddenly at the end, it's it this happens and and it's kind of that. But again, like I just think that because there's so many storylines to fit into the show, every one of Lisa Todd Wexler's um, plot lines on this show end up get, getting just like kind of shortened in a way um, to what would otherwise be something that's really good to handle on a show, which is like a woman in her late 40s or 50s getting pregnant again. And like what comes with that and like the juggling of a career while having, you know, teenage and young children and potentially getting pregnant. Like there's a great story to tell here. And because we've got to fit in six other storylines, it well, just this never is why gets the treatment. Yeah. I mean, she gets short shrift a lot. Her and Naya, definitely. Yes. Like, what's the point of adding non-white characters if you just screw them out of a storyline anyway? And, yes. And like you were saying, this is what this is my hope for season three is that we thin out some of the characters so we can spend more time with some of these other people and kind of get a more in-depth look. Because, yes, I uh, on the face of it, like... Lisa getting pregnant at this inopportune time and her just saying like, this is supposed to be my time. I just think that a lot of women can relate to that point in their yes, career of like, absolutely work so hard. You did all the things you were the state, you were the stay at home mom, you balanced career. And now things are finally getting easier. And now you just look at it instead of feeling like maybe the joy you did with your first batch of kids or however you want to phrase that. Um, you feel like dread and, yes. and regret and anxiety. And and I appreciate that they at least mention like, oh, well, you know, you don't have to keep it if you don't want to. And her saying like, I respect, you know, I, I appreciate you saying that and I respect the woman's right to choose, but I don't feel like I can. And I think a lot of 
women who are pro-choice also feel like they can't have an abortion because especially if they have other kids because they have a lot of complicated feelings about that but we can't explore any of that shit we can't follow lisa on this journey of like having yeah. some guilt wrapped up with like anxiety and like a little bit of anger like i would be angry too and we don't get to yes. explore any of that and she could explore some of that with charlotte because like isn't that the whole reason why she's here but we don't get that instead we just we sort don't. of get like a very truncated situation which is fine but again my hope is that we kind of thin out some of these like other ancillary characters at the very least like let's get rid of bobby lee and we can kind of like focus a little bit more about lisa because like the only thing we know about her is like she's a boss bitch she's gorgeous she's a documentarian and everything else we're just sort of like okay you and i didn't even know for sure she had three kids until i texted you after when i googled it that she officially has three kids already that's how little we know you yes and you you bring up a really good point around like the portrayal of a woman who already has you know kids so therefore she should feel bad about having an abortion and the struggles around that and the pressure to keep a child even Mm -hmm. though because you have children and I feel like you know there are so few portrayals of that on tv like crazy ex-girlfriend is a great example Mm -hmm. of, of one show that did it well when Paula did decide to get an abortion I thought that was really well handled and like it was just a matter of fact no judgment just like seen as a fucking procedure which which it is um and and a choice that a woman should make with you know on her own and with her doctor um But I think that, yeah, again, we don't get to explore all the facets of this because we have to fit in so much dialogue into uh, such little time that like Herbert is actually very supportive of her if she decides to go down that road. And we Mm -hmm. appreciate that, but we don't get to fully appreciate it because it's just like a, you know, five minute conversation in this otherwise, you know, 45 minute, 50 minute episode. I think five Um, minutes is generous. I really feel like we spent no time at all on it. It really was like, he says it, he says I support you, she says no, and then we kind of move on to the next. And it really felt like this is something that deserved a little bit more room to breathe. Agreed. Um, So one final thing we have to talk about, of course, is the the send-off. I was really If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
hoping we could get away. I know, I know. This. But we, we, I mean, let's rip the Band-Aid. So okay, Anthony, the, the lead into this is that Anthony is uh, obviously struggling with Giuseppe because it's, you know, he wants, Giuseppe wants to go back. There's been all sorts of conversations around Anthony not wanting to lose his ass virginity because he likes to be in control. Um, no, that's to- not what he says. He says, I don't want to be the woman, which I think is I such a derivative yes. and archaic way of thinking and fully feels like it's written by a 60-something-year-old gay man, gay man and not written by anybody who has a modern sensibility. I really had an issue with that. I found that to yes. be super offensive and like just so it's just gross it's just gross the way that you the, he made him say it. i don't know i just didn't like i it. think and i and i know i think i know what was again this is where like michael patrick king probably has an intention of how to how he wants to say something and and but it, it gets the execution of it similar to like when charlotte uh is dressing for her first job right. you know back at the art gallery and what's supposed to probably be written one way is executed in another way and like the attempt just seems like like it falls flat. Similarly mm-hmm. here, I think Michael Patrick King was trying to convey Anthony's archaic views of what a homosexual relationship should look like. Um, and the dynamics around that of a gay couple and like who's what and and the gendered politics of it all. Ugh. But the execution of it just makes him seem to your point, the comment is derivative and it makes it makes Anthony seem like this just like backwards off like person who just sees uh like roles in relationships in a heterosexual way. Like I, I just think that it's 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 and it's not fair to Anthony's character. It's not because I would you would think that Anthony's like a little bit more progressive than to at least use that kind of language. Yeah. I think if to your point, if you said if Anthony said, like, I just like to be in control and I don't want to do that, that would have been a completely different conversation than like, oh, I don't want to be the woman. I just really that really like rubbed me the wrong fucking way. It, I just did me not. too. Me too. Um, but to have that scene then coupled with this Shinto monk business. So in an effort to talk about how um, Anthony's character in general, Giuseppe says he likes to always be the one in charge or in control or that kind of thing. This is an episode where, you know, we're starting to talk about Anthony letting go and like acquiescing or whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I don't like the way that the writer said it, but so be it. Anyway, Anthony, as a result, though, there is this scene in which Stanford just comes out of the blue, like, or, or, or Stanford is brought up again, where Anthony comes to Carrie's apartment and Carrie has set up two cosmos and proceeds to have an exposition of a dialogue in which we learn quite a bit about Stanford. Uh, one, he is staying in Japan. Two, he has left uh, the world of of the Japanese pop stars. And three, has decided to become a Shinto monk. And all they have for this is a photograph of Stanford. Okay, I want to say, and I texted Please. you this after I watched it. Say I it feel all. like you could have photoshopped a more convincing Stanley yes. as a Shinto monk than what the fuck we saw. Because that was a ridiculous Photoshop job. Like... A legit laugh out loud in what was supposed to be like a really sentimental moment. And I resented the show for doing such a piss poor job and like kind yes. of like really taking me out. Like we didn't even yes. need the photo. It really could have just been he's not coming back. And I feel like that would have been more powerful than I it, it, yes. it, I don't know if it was supposed to be a joke or not, but it really undercut the mood. 
It really did. And I think there's two recent examples of shows slash movies that have done this in really interesting ways. So obviously the Fast and the Furious franchise <laughs> has decided to do it a certain way, which I don't I don't hate. Like, you know, it is what it is. Like, it's fine. It's kind like, of comical at this point, right? It's, it's, it's like comical. Brian's. Yeah. Brian's always watching the kids and and I agree with June Diane Raphael like I love that Fast and Furious is trying to make this point that fatherhood in a way is a, is a death right it's like death. That, I, I think that's what they're trying to say and I do love that they're always like Brian's on his way he's always family and my and my totally super alive <laughs> friend named Brian that's why I named my kid after him because he's super alive and totally normal like I think at this yes. point, like they're in on the joke. We're all in on the joke. I don't think that sex, I don't think that Angel's like that has that kind of sense of no, humor. No, no. So, so here's where I think the best send, send off of a, of a real life actor dying uh, was done really well. So I'm not going to spoil too much in season two of something somewhere. Cause you, I don't think you've watched or you, no, but I made somebody. my, I made more progress through season one though on the plane. Okay. And I love well, it. And I, I'm, I'm going to finish spoiling, it. Go ahead. I'm not spoiling anything because in real life, the actor who plays her father died. Um, the guy, who oh, plays Yes. So as a result, that's why in the second season, he is off on a trip. But at the Mm -hmm. end of this season, they have a beautiful tribute that Murray Hill does at their wedding. And I won't talk more about it because I don't want to spoil it for you. But they, you know, because Fred and Ted, the characters became friends because of, you know, their agriculture interests, like their, the fact that they both work in that world Mm -hmm. um, and became good friends over time. Like it's a really beautiful friendship that I loved about season one. And I'm sad to see like season two, because of this actor's death, they can't continue it, but I digress. Anyway, they, they handled it very well with like Murray Hill doing a beautiful like toast. And even though, it's like not implied that that Ted died. Like it's just done in such a way that felt very tasteful in comparison to this Photoshop shenanigan that I could mm-hmm. do a better job on. Let's be I'm real. I'm telling you, you really could. I really feel like you Photoshopped Murray onto Bernie's <laughs> Bernie Sanders's body more convincingly than what they did to fucking Stanley. Yeah. So poor, poor Stanford Blatch. We, we missed oh, Stanford. We sorry, loved- not Stanley. Stanley. <laughs> No, and I it's like I just think Willie Garson deserved better than this. Um, I mm-hmm. I think it's it's interesting that Sarah Jessica Parker didn't try to do a better job with this or Michael Patrick King. Um, and quite well, frankly, I think that Michael Patrick King has his head up his own ass a little too much because this was his story. Because yeah. this whole, the whole backstory behind sending Sanford off to become a Shinto monk is because after Sex and City 2 was so poorly reviewed, Michael Patrick King t- took it very, very personally, was super upset, was really distraught, was crying all over fucking Kyoto, which like, please leave like the Japanese people out of this. <laughs> you didn't and Phoebe Bridgers. Here. Right. Like, please don't taint a very good song for us. And he, <laughs> Michael Patrick King found himself uh, crying in a Shinto monk um, temple and he finally felt at peace. And it's like, OK, this goes back to like the privileged guy of it all that sort of like rubs me the wrong way. It's like I'm not trying to invalidate your story or whatever, but like what's right for you doesn't necessarily track for a character. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why this sort of felt Again, maybe if the photo wasn't there, we'd feel a little bit differently. It would have felt maybe a little bit more touching of like, I'm releasing all my earthly belongings and and I release you, Anthony, to like find love and all this other stuff. I feel like it would have just played more if it wasn't undercut by like that joke of a picture. I agree. I agree. Um, so that sums up episode 10. Uh, we have talked quite a bit about 10. We'll try to wrap up 11 in a nice way. I mean, like, so for episode 11... I guess we can kind of go into it again similarly. Like let's well, let's let's go through the A plus I have, and the B plus. 
Sure. Yeah, but uh, before we get into it, though, I since it's now like solidified in the finale, I want to know whether or not you buy Carrie as a cat mom because I don't. I think I Carrie don't. is like one of the most selfish people in TV history. And Especially I'm not saying not- that as an insult, but like no. it's definitely one of those like, would you call me selfish? Not to your face. Like that's fully how I feel about Carrie. And and cats are pretty low maintenance, but I have a really hard time believing that she gives a shit about a cat. Let alone a kitten that requires a little bit more, you know, like time assistance, like and Carrie with a cat litter box in her chic ass apartment. I just don't believe no, it. I'm sorry. No. I think Shu is so cute. It's such a cute name for so a cat. Cute. Oh I love God. that Shu gets like a little nameplate necklace. And I also read, I think it was Evan Ross Katz broke the news that um, Sarah Jessica Parker in real life adopted the cat. And I do believe that Sarah Jessica Parker is a good cat mom, but oh, I don't sure. believe Carrie, you know, no, I just have a hard time not. buying absolutely that. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay. Look, so I'm glad that we're on the same page. It yeah, was really yeah. important to me that we got uh, this look, out of the way first. <laughs> if, if Shu in season three, like gets, you know, remember Tiger, the dog from the Brady Bunch that like, apparently <laughs> the ur- urban legend is like the dog just like ran off set one day and just never came back. And all of a sudden the, the family didn't have a dog anymore. You know, I would be surprised if this happened on this show. (laughs) Honestly, it might be the best thing for Shu Bradshaw. Really, I agree. Um, So obviously we have to get into Carrie and Aiden. Uh, So let's get into the Samantha because because it's it's so quick. It's so quick and it's right up at the top, which I think is like such a fuck you to Kim Cattrall that they put this cameo in like immediately. Immediately. And, And I would say I didn't have a problem with it. I wasn't like... I wasn't in love with it. I didn't hate it. It was like probably the least offensive thing they could have done. But what yes. I what I love the most is that at least there's a little bit of symmetry between season one and season two because we've upgraded from a text to a random text to Samantha's quote unquote alleged number to an actual phone call. So yes. at least we've upgraded there. Um, but, you know, it was sort of goofy, right? And like, I, I think because we know yes. so much about how they shot it, it was hard to connect with it because it's like, I know that... Sarah Jessica Parker is right now screaming into a speakerphone that has no other actor on the other end. You know what I mean? I Yeah, I think we, much like we know so much of what happened behind the scenes, this is very, giving me very much like Good Wife, where they had oh, yeah. to- Oh my God, Archie, yes, Emily. Where, where yes. Archie Funjab and Juliana Margulies had to be photoshopped into a scene together. <laughs> Uh, and it's, it's, it's giving me that. And it's just like, when you know about the behind the scenes drama, it is very hard to believe that these two are getting on a phone call together. One that Samantha is going to, was trying to hop on a plane to come to this dinner too. And three, I think I, to your point, I didn't hate this or anything. I was just kind of meh. But the thing that I find very hard to believe is that the, the tone of this conversation, uh, feels like people who are in fact in regular touch with one another and have maintained a solid long distance relationship where they FaceTime once a week. Like it feels like the Mm -hmm. tone of it felt that way. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm very happy for Kim Cattrall. Allegedly her 72 second cameo might be hold the record for the highest payout for, you know, airtime to like, you know, payout ratio. I think like, I don't know who's doing the math. It's maybe Emily math, but like, I'm not the only one who's saying it. it's a couple of publications who are reporting this, but she, she got paid a hefty amount for this and I salute her for it. Um, but yeah, it just, it wasn't bad. It wasn't good, but it was also just like felt, just on un- unrealistic. 
but then again, so do so many things. So many, so many things on this show. Like, I think in the realm of unrealism in this show, it was like it was pretty low on the list, and so I'm glad that they at least did that. They didn't make it so so outlandish and I think yeah. they did what they could with somebody who wants nothing to do with the show or to yeah. be anywhere where she isn't enjoying herself for not one minute so I do I find all of the Samantha backstory I mean not Samantha uh, Kim Cattrall backstory about how we got her here to be more interesting than the cameo itself like yes. I feel like HBO got involved that this wasn't a Michael Patrick King decision because no. it felt so much like a fuck you and Michael Patrick King didn't even direct the cameo which also no. feels like a fuck you and there's oh. just so much tension and and I know that like Michael Patrick King Sarah Jessica Parker they didn't want her back they were like fine bye like whatever you tanked Sex and the City 3 the movie like unforgivable moving on and not to mention all of their back and forth in public as well. So I just find, I find the cameo to be more interesting from like a case study standpoint than from like an artistic moving the story along standpoint. Agreed. Agreed. I think that's, I mean, that's really all there is to it. I think there's a really good article about it on Vulture or someone that wrote up mm. uh, about like, you know, Kim Cattrall's cameo is perfectly fine. And, uh, it was sad in some ways or something like that, like where it was just like, yeah, it's fine that it happened, but it also like made it on. It, it just cut through like how much the show, you know, really needs her in some ways, like, and it's never going to happen, but like there is a void in the show without her being there. And they're trying mm-hmm. to plug it in with like a little bit of SEMA, a little bit of, you know, v- various cut characters, but ultimately mm-hmm. like she is irreplaceable. Um, the other, so I guess since we're already talking about Carrie because she she had this conversation with Samantha. Um, so, and just like that, we now have to wait five years for Carrie and Eden. Margo, I got to ask you. Yeah, go ahead. In, do you think some terms and conditions were verbally agreed upon or written on? Because when you say to me, wait five years, or if I told you that someone I was with was telling me to wait five years, couple questions come to mind as that I would assume you would ask me. You would ask me, one, does that mean that I get to see other people during that time? Two, do I get to go hop on a plane or drive down to Virginia to go see this person? Uh, three, just what, like five years and like d- definitive five years, or do we get a two-year checkpoint? Like what's what's happening here? What are the terms and conditions? So, you know, if you so I think if you came to me and said this, I'd have a different reaction than if a man came to me or a romantic partner came to me and said, oh, wait, five years. I know that she's in her 50s. So, you know, maybe five years isn't that long of a time. But also I'm in my 50s, like tick tock, bitch. You mean yeah. when you come to me in my 60s, we have maybe a good 10 years to be together if we're lucky. You want me to wait five years because you can't discipline your child because you can't co-parent because you're not a good father. Like you're not, I'm sorry. You ditching your entire life to essentially helicopter parent your kid is not how you make a resilient, good adult. No, You just don't. No. And so you if know. Aiden came to me and said this nonsense, I would tell him to go fuck himself. I definitely would not be having sex with this person. Then if you came to me and told me that, yeah, I'd have a lot of questions. Like, what does that mean? Other than it narratively being convenient for the show, what does waiting five years mean? 
And like the little snap thing really made me nuts. I was like, you suck. You're a bad partner. No. And I would be like, snap my middle finger and I would be like, like Like that? You want me to, you want me to flip the bird? Like, it's so insane to me. I just, (laughs) I don't understand what he thinks is going to happen. Like, I I personally don't, I think this means that they're broken up. So I think that Carrie is like free to date whoever. Do they have checkpoints? And I don't even think we need to go that far. Like, it could just, there are so many ways he could have framed this. Like she could have just been, she really could have literally been his low commitment, long distance girlfriend, long-term yes. girlfriend, like Barbie yes. style. Go to and the I Mojo she, Dojo Casa house down in Virginia every once yeah, in a while. Yeah. Once every six months or whatever. It's like, you can't let this kid out of your sight. And, and she's willing to, to come to Virginia. Like so much of this makes no sense. And I cannot believe he gets away with it. Like the absolute caucasity, the manacity of all of it makes me kind of nuts. But I would, I, I would wonder the same things. Like I think effectively they are not together. And in five years, if they're both single, then maybe, I don't know. I, that's what I assume the the terms and conditions are. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that, that has to be it. Cause it just seems so I, this show once again, just finds a way to complicate anything that seems to be like, it could be significantly simplified if handled by uh, someone Adults? other than my Patrick King. Yeah. Oh. Or adults. Yeah. Or I feel adult. like this is like, if you wanted them to be in an open relationship, again, that would be an interesting thing to explore on this show. This show especially yes. Carrie, who's like a serial monogamous. Like, it'd be very interesting to see Carrie navigate an open relationship with yeah. this man that she thought she was going to spend the rest of her life with starting now. But no, I feel like, like you said, Michael Patrick King kind of wants to have his cake and eat it too, too many times. And goes for the narratively convenient thing instead of like what maybe is more realistic and maybe it's not as flashy or as divisive and maybe we don't want to watch people living regular lives or whatever because this is a tv show but i don't know something about it felt really really stupid like really really stupid and could have been solved in any number of ways to where we didn't have to do this weird like five-year pause because it also feels like it's mirroring Seema's like five month thing with her guy, which is like, do we even need that? Like, just make them fucking single then. Yeah. Let's, I mean, since we're just talking about Seema, let's just like button that up really quickly, Quickly. which is, yeah. yeah, Seema uh, still isn't sure about the director boyfriend, if he's into her or not. And then Carrie has the audacity at her dinner party to be like, he's clearly into you. You need to take a risk, take a chance. Like as if this woman has followed any of her own advice in the past. Mm-hmm. Carrie, Carrie, Carrie. But we always have Greece. And so the ladies, though, they don't end up with their Hampton share in the end. They end up with something much better. But in Greece. They're however- not in Greece, though, Emily. They're in Malibu. That wasn't even Greece. This show, ne- like, can we get David's Zlavs on the phone, please? Like, let's get this budget up, like, like tight. Because we cannot have my girls. Like, not only can they not be dumped in, like, the most embarrassing, lame way possible, but you also cannot shoehorn them into the world's windiest Malibu beach and then spit in my face and tell me it's fucking Greece. Because I've never been to Greece, but I know what Greece looks like, and it ain't that. I know what Malibu looks like very, very well. And that's where they were. They filmed that in the same 24-hour period as Miranda's beach cleanup. Like, just down the beach. Down the beach. Oh, my God, Emily. You're yeah, totally Miranda right. picking up trash. Yeah, they just like, they just they just framed Miranda out. They just sent like they sent the eunuch <sighs> to shoot Miranda moving seaweed from one pile to another and just framed them out to just shoot this fake grease scene. <laughs> 
oh my god and carrie speaking greek was like oof just similar to steve trying to speak spanish i was like let's not let's like give duolingo like a few more passes before we start saying these words out loud to native speakers because yeah, like agreed it's it's ugly agreed. american a little bit <laughs> it, yeah agreed um so yeah i mean look Seema's waiting for a partner because of the Sphinx. Like there's just, <laughs> I'm happy for these ladies that they got the vacation together, sure. but the circumstances under which we are here are not very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's one way of putting it. <laughs> like I want you guys uh, to be empowered in Greece or whatever, but like also it feels like the like the biggest womp womp consolation prize you know i feel like the price is right like losing music is like playing over this yeah. scene in the back of my mind you know r.i.p bob barker but like good good lord i mean i appreciate carrie letting go of expectations because you know i think that that's smart for everyone to do that's a great lesson yeah. for everybody to learn because if you don't have expectations you can't be disappointed and maybe that's why she was more accepting of the Aiden stuff but unfortunately I just feel like Aiden is like so full of shit that like I have a really hard time accepting it I mean he said he could never set foot in her apartment again except he does what a fucking dork like of course you could tell her this news I hate this man I hate this man they've made him out to be someone we hate like the fact that he can only step foot in this apartment to like almost like fuck give her a fuck you back after what she pulled in this apartment on him it's just Aiden's way more petty than we think he is I mean again I'm really not over his digs basically implying that Kathy isn't a good parent like you're some fucking great parent country lurch like I just (laughs) mm, I don't like it it gives me a bad taste in my mouth I don't don't like like it it either I don't like it either. Um, so so let's 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 just like go back a bit, which is that Carrie has finally has the dinner party, the last supper at her home. God and the bless. fifteen the fifteen people she's picked are an assortment of acquaintances. Some, you know, no, we're Emily, respecting- they are fucking randos and co-workers and plus ones. It's it's giving hire a bridesmaid. It's giving hire a bridesmaid. <laughs> Which you can be, I found out recently, for $11,000 a month. Yeah, no, I, I've known that because I wrote a script a really long time ago about a bridesmaid for hire. But that's neither here nor there. But yes, it's feeling like my, it feels like, um, you know, when Real Housewives get accused of like renting everything, it's feeling yes. like I rented these friends <laughs> to yes. fill out my dinner party. Yes, yes. So I guess do we maybe we go around the table to the cast of characters at this dinner party okay. to talk about their their just their final stories. So sure, sure. Uh, let, let's go into Charlotte, who we we find this at the beginning of this episode waking up from a her wild night out uh, with a very bad hangover, but finally giving it to Steve to sorry to Harry that he needs to step up and he needs to be a better partner and take on some of the brunt of the work. And the metaphor later in this episode that we use to get around this is an iPhone, (laughs) which is, I mean, I get it. It's cute, but like these are, you know, give these people more credit that they would be struggling this hard with an iPhone. Like, come on like come on I don't know Sean and I tried to reconnect our printer to Wi-Fi and it didn't go well so you know (laughs) I I don't know not the same but like in the same ballpark so I get it and I I don't have anything bad to say about Harry and Charlotte because they are my MVPs from the season they were they really are so fun 
there were not only that, but like some of the but like the most funny and light parts of this show. And like you said, they're they are definitely like couple goals, which I hate that phrase, but like they are. They are something to yeah. aspire to. And I like that they have a solid marriage and that they didn't destroy Harry or his character at the very least and didn't destroy Charlotte and gave Charlotte something to do beyond these horrendous children that she's raised. So yeah, I mean, them being in bed trying to figure out an iPhone, I thought was very sweet and kind of like a nice way to end. Because we already had, you know, come yeah. on, hits Harry, which was also very funny in its own right. So I don't know. I'm happy with them not I'm happy. having. I'm happy with Charlotte not getting come on her tits and just trying to figure out the iPhone 14 Pro Max, which I was like, nice plug, guys. By the time everybody yes. watches this, the new one will be out already. Be out. <laughs> I think that kind of ties up Charlotte and Harry for the season. Um, I well, think other we than Charlotte points out to Lisa when she sees her at the dinner, like, oh, why are you drinking? And they like quickly just say she lost it. And then they give Charlotte no time to react. No, nothing, which I thought oh was my another, God, yeah. another disservice to the Lisa. That's why I forgot about it. That's well, why yeah. I forgot about it. I wrote it down. I, I only caught it. because I was scrolling through my notes really quick, just in case. And I was just like, oh, right. Like Charlotte barely gets to have a reaction until before Harry's just like, oh, I got you an iPhone. And it's like, can we not give this woman, Lisa, can we not give this woman like any time to like have any sort of feeling or emotion or plot line? Like, no, it's always like on to the next. You're fine. But it's also, again, like a man, a gay man clearly wrote this because like the miscarriage of it all. Like I this is one where I'm like, you know what? Having maybe someone in the writer's room, I'm sure there is maybe someone who's dealt with a miscarriage. But like, I think that there just should have been in general. This plot line was just so short changed from the get go. Um, down to the getting pregnant uh, and, and unexpected mm-hmm. pregnancy all the way down to the miscarriage in the morning of that. I was just so shortchanged um, that it, it makes me angry that no one, I mean, I'm sure someone tried to raise <laughs> a flag about right. it. Right. But was it, was it, was it accepted? Was it taken into consideration? Well, clearly I don't not. think so. We clearly saw not. the end product. Clearly I mean, not. I, I guess I just ultimately feel bad for Ari Nicole Parker, who is a fantastic actress. And yeah, you can give her this kind of stuff. And and it doesn't even have to be very well written. And she really conveys a lot of emotion, especially in that bathroom scene between her and Herbert. But like, it just feels really fucked up. It really does. Yeah, it it does. That and like the walking past, like, it is funny to have like uh, Anthony and Giuseppe making out, but like, and then just being and like, excuse, the bras, me, excuse me. And then loose with the bras. Like, there's what a freak. <laughs> I really wrote like a fucking loose. I was like, I think after the bra comment, I think I hate her more than I dislike Chase character. You know, because- if she's. I mean, yeah. she's first of all, Luce is a liar. The first she sees Che and the first thing she says is, I love your podcast, which is a lie. Like, I feel very much like Reese Witherspoon in Legally Blonde. Like, why isn't it around? Why isn't it around anymore? Why is the network completely shut down? It's like, bitch, you don't have a lie so to You already fucking bought the apartment. Like, please be for real right now. Like, you love the podcast. Listen, You're so full of shit. And she and she loves butterflies. Then she can flutter fly away uh, oh off the screen. Oh my god! And, I yeah. wanted to walk into the sea when she gave that dumb little speech about her stupid ass butterfly ring. Which, the like, by the way, face. your jewelry is ugly. What is happening? <laughs> No wonder Carrie had to sell her the apartment for $2. Yeah, because you can't afford it. You're not going to get by on your jewelry maker's salary, which, by the way, like, Claire's sells that same ring for $2.99. Like, give me a break. She is such a deeply unserious character. Like, I I would like her jettison from the show. Please. I've had enough. Please. 
please. Um, so let's just talk about Lisa because we were here. We talked about her already. With the she's dealing with the fallout of her miscarriage. But didn't we uh, talk about it? There's not. I mean, there's yeah, there's not else. much else. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's really it. It's just like dealing with that at the party and kind of mourning that and not getting the airtime we need to like have a proper storyline here. Um, you brought up Che and and Lou, so let's uh, let's talk about Che. Um, mm-hmm. And Miranda, because they make amends in the kitchen in the same place where the, hey, it's Che Diaz no, scene. No, 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 no. I've, I've, no, do not bring that up again. I've, I've taken it out of my brain. Do not make me remember what happened in that kitchen. <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, what else is there to say? I, th- I think Che has one of the funnier lines in this episode, but it's, it's telling that the one funny thing, one of the few funny things they've ever said on this show is, is not even in their comedy set. I mean, it, I think they said like after the Carrie, Carrie makes everyone say one word of something they're letting go and one word across the table. And so everyone gives their one word <laughs> and then it gets to Carrie and Carrie, after having everyone abide by the rules of one word. <laughs> Gives a whole lot more words. And then Chase says something to the extent of, wow, Carrie, that was more than one word. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's Chase, that's funny. Uh, more of that in your stand up, please. Less of the anger. I just, yeah, I think. You know, from T to B, Che was a flop in this episode from my perspective. I mean, yeah. when Bobby Lee shows up and they quote unquote roast each other because, quote, that's what comedians do, it's like, I could not okay, roll my Friars eyes. Club. Right? It's like, and you guys aren't even roasting each other. You guys are just two fucking idiots yelling things. Like, it's not Seriously. funny. But no. mostly, okay, one thing I did not appreciate about the Che and Miranda reconciling, well, not reconciling, but, like, giving each other closure, was this, yeah. like, fucking revisionist history that they were a train wreck. Because the show, yeah. again, is doing this amnesia thing that it loves to do, which is yes. just, like, talking about how terrible their relationship is was because the audience said it was a terrible relationship not because the show thought it and now yeah now Che wants to spin it as like oh well we were always so bad together it's like what like you guys that's not true like that's not real just stay in the moment like you guys didn't break up because you were a train wreck y'all broke up because Che's pilot failed and then they like went into a spiral because of it that's why y'all broke up you guys weren't a train wreck I just find that to be so annoying and such a fucking cop out and this is also the second time Che has brought up the fact that their relationship with Miranda has been such a train wreck such a train wreck and like I was a train wreck and so were you it's like I don't know. And that's not how the show treated you guys. And I remember the show accurately. And that's just not what that's not, that's not real. And so the I don't like revisionist history. Us. Yes. I don't like revisionist history in real life. And I definitely don't like it on my shows. So like, please treat me like somebody who was like fully conscious while watching because I was, we were, we all remember. We all y'all, were, we were there. Both we were there. This. Yes. Yes. It was rare. We were there. And like, we all, y'all wanted this and y'all wanted us to get yes. on board. And when we did it, now all yeah. of a sudden they're a train wreck. Like, don't change things just because of everybody's is, perception. It's stupid. This is all, it's giving me Han shot first. Like, this is our, this is our Han yeah, shot but first. Like, for like, but for like a way dumber thing. Like, <laughs> truly, truly, truly. Uh, I mean, luckily Miranda gets a happy ending here where Miranda gets to be uh, interviewed on the BBC. So she's got to, you know, run on, run on out of this dinner party because that's happening. And uh, we get to see the, Again, the lady at the UN. (laughs) There is, I think at some point in my, yeah, it was like, I wrote in all caps, what fucking time is it when Miranda leaves this dinner party? Because the light is so crazy when she runs out to get that cab. I was like, 
Is it 5 p.m.? Is it 2 a.m.? Like, so what fucking here, time is it? Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking. So BBC, if it's, you know, being broadcast in London, it's a five-hour- I, I mean, Emily, this is- time. This is you do not deserve like it does I, not deserve I know, your I'm giving Emily it math. too much logic exactly because I'm like whatever conclusion you're gonna come from we're gonna like read somewhere in a week's time that it was like oh it was it was seven a.m. we're like wow we were like way off <laughs> so fuck us <laughs> fuck us we're trying to make sense out of this fucking show but yes go I I can't stop you but I want you to know that you're putting in way more effort than anybody involved I, in the show has put into it. So go ahead. I will say, I will save my brain cells. Just that she gets to have a drink. <laughs> we, we, we leave her having a drink with that nice lady from the UN where there mm-hmm. may be a romantic relationship. And this is after, by the way, we talked about this earlier, but and Coney Island, Steve and Miranda have a conversation. Um, you have some thoughts, so feel free to share those. Sure. I mean, I, it was one of those things where like, just when I was like, Oh, this is like such a nice moment. Like, I'm really glad that we're getting this real closure. This is like what we deserved last season instead of what we got. And then Michael Patrick King just has to take a fucking dump on anything you remotely like. Because then Steve turns around and says, you're not going to flip it around and go straight, are you? And I was like, ew, dude. No. What Steve wouldn't. Fuck? Exactly. Steve wouldn't. But even Steve this wouldn't. is just like the I don't want to be the woman thing. It's like, guys, what the fuck is this? Like, They're not giving the men on the show enough credit. And then yes. giving credit men who don't deserve it like Aiden mm-hmm. well I don't think so I think they wanted to no, say that's, true. that's, true. And, that's and true and they succeeded I fucking told you when they brought Aiden back I was like buyer beware because they're gonna make us hate Aiden if they don't make us hate Aiden they're gonna murder Aiden so like one of two things is gonna happen but with Steve it's like we were having a nice moment even though he makes that really like weird analogy to like his head falling off on the cyclone which I was like okay and that was also the moment when I was like, is he going full simple Jack with this Miranda? I, I almost lost my head, Miranda. <laughs> but him saying you're not going to flip it around and go straight again. I was just like, ew, bro. Like, have more respect for your ex-wife no, and the mother of your he child. Would not. He would not. He would not. But that's my main thought. It was a nice moment, but I thought that that was gross. Um, I thought it was gross, too. Uh, other than that, I mean, there's obviously, let's talk about Naya, who actually really <laughs> enjoyed her. You know, look, she's eye fucking the shit out of Toussaint at this dinner party. And like, okay, I have it- one. Oh, wait, actually, to go quickly, quickly back to Steve and Miranda, because I have to. Sure, sure. It happened two episodes in a row. How does Brady always know where everyone's going to be so he can roll up on his bike? Because like that seems that's like a little magical realism to me where I was like, he, and I, he's always and he's always from afar and he gave, and I he bet. has no lines, which like Brady, their family. Brady went oh, from worst to first in my eyes of all of the kids because like he hasn't <laughs> said true. literally one word in many, many episodes. And I was like, I love Brady. He's the best. But him from afar, like smiling at his parents, like like the little ghostly ginger apparition that he is. I was just like, hey, what, what is happening? What is happening? Is he can everybody else see Brady? Like what's I, going on? You know, Miranda strikes me as a family that does location sharing. All right. So that's okay, where. That's a good, thank you. Thank you for bringing I that think up. That's, I think that I, I see Miranda very much doing some location sharing on the phones. Okay. But that that really that really took me out because I was like, why is he like laughing and smiling at them from afar on his bike like he's Eddie Murphy at the end of Beverly Hills Cop? Like it's just <laughs> such a strange, so strange. But now back to Naya. Okay. I have two quick comments. Yeah, sure. Well, one's a question. The other one's a comment. Question one, why does she always use her ex's full name, Andre Rashad? I, like, can you just call him your ex or can we just call him Andre? Well, can we just call so, him Rashad? 
Don't so get that. So I was going to actually ask about that. Is it a two name situation? Like Sarah Jessica Parker, oh, like, oh, like Sarah mm. Jessica, and then her son is James Wilkie. Like, I wonder if that is Andre Rashad and then whatever his last name is. Andre Rashad uh, Smith or whatever. Okay, what, that's exactly. a good point. Because I was definitely being like, this is so strange. What's interesting is half of them call him Andre and then the other half call him Andre Rashad. So there's no consistency. I feel like everybody, when they call that, talk about SJP, they always talk about Sarah Jessica. It's never just Sarah. It's Sarah Jessica. So I was, I'm a little surprised in the inconsistency. I mean, maybe it's to your point, maybe it's a Sarah Michelle Geller thing where I'm sure people in Sarah Michelle Geller's real life don't call her Sarah Michelle and just call her Sarah. So maybe yeah. it's one of those things. I don't know. I don't know. But, but yeah, my, I think my other two first names. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's not clear entirely. So when she says under a shot, I'm always just like, okay. It feels very like um, when you, it's like saying your teacher's first and last name. Like it's just sort of odd. It's very <laughs> college professory, I guess. But my other thing was a comment, which is like, she just finds out she's getting admitted into this like very prestigious law thing. I believe you mean the American Law Institute. Mm, yes, that. And she's boo-hooing about how she doesn't have a man to share it with. This is not, I don't, I don't want to see that. No, I don't want to see don't that see, shit at all. You mean to tell me that in four days, Naya has gone from buying, buying her ex a thousand dollar stroller, <laughs> a spite stroller, a thousand dollar spite stroller to then lamenting the fact that she doesn't have a man to share these victories with. I don't know. I was Come sort of on. like, I'm calling cap on this shit right now. Like, okay, Come girl. on. Come on. But and, and I, I was. Miranda is still living there. It's so crazy. I know. I know. Well, we'll see. Next Maybe she'll season, move in with Carrie hope. because Carrie's got this big ass house. Apparently, Miranda has no money or has forgotten where she put all of her money. And so maybe she just moves into the Gramercy Park place. And maybe Miranda I, can finally get a room that has her own bathroom so that she'll never be locked out of taking a shower or taking a piss ever again. <laughs> Let Miranda piss so, 2023. Naya, <laughs> Naya's woes or, or like weird woes that really don't exist in real life, mm. but like as the show has tried, found a way to make them exist. Because uh, of dramatic dis- need. <laughs> because of dramatic need. Dis- those disappear very quickly when she goes to Carrie's dinner party and runs into Toussaint, uh, who is the Michelin star chef that will be cooking, putting together this party um, and dinner, who is the same man we saw early on in the season uh, when uh, Naya was still married and had her book at a bar and Mm. had a giant purse as a barricade. Um, And during this dinner (laughs) makes everyone wildly uncomfortable (laughs) as she puts in all these food sexual innuendos in place and everyone is just like, <laughs> I was like, girl, you got to tone it down. It's coming across a little desperado, you know, like I thought <laughs> it's, the first it's initial getting Blanche movie, Devereaux, <laughs> but like not as charming. It was just oh, so yes. like it was so nakedly horny that I was like, can, can you please tone it down? You just said you don't know any of these people. And now you're guaranteeing that they don't want to get to know you because they're going to be like, oh, she's going to like fake an orgasm at every fucking restaurant I take her to. She cannot be trusted. But I thought like, and we started out so well, right? We we show up to the party. She's there with Miranda. They're like, I have your back. I have yours. And then she's like, you're fine, Miranda. Like, just go. Like, let me talk to this hot guy. And I was totally on board with that. But then- yeah, the like, oh, it just like blew up in my mouth and us uh, like it's so savory. I was like, oh my god, girl, like please, this is a dinner. No. no. 
absolutely not. This is very like, ma'am, this is a Wendy's. Like, please relax. Let's just hope that at the end of this episode in which um, Naya has brought Toussaint back to her place and Miranda's enjoying time with that lady at a bar, that Miranda goes back to that lady's place that night and doesn't have to. (laughs) And doesn't have a cat litter full of shit that she steps in. (laughs) That was, That's all again, one of my wishes. favorite episodes. That was so fucking funny. That was, was so, so, funny. so funny. Those are, those are the final, wi- I wish those two well. And I just want, I just want Miranda to be able to have a drink and a date with someone at her level who's, right. you know, going to let her have a bathroom that she can pee in and free <laughs> in, in peace. And that Naya gets to enjoy some, some, uh, a lovely ta- evening with this, this nice chef. Um, I think like other to, than- to keep it to like the the Toussaint situation though, I have two comments about Carrie's decor in her home for this dinner party. There were so many candles in that little tinderbox yes. apartment. It was really stressing me out, especially in I that mean, tinderbox. There's no other way to put it. Really, I was just like, oh my god! Like, there's so many fucking candles, and they're everywhere. They're in her closet. I was like, bitch, what are you doing? And then the place is gonna set on fire, right? And I was like, I guess that's Luce's problem, and she kind of deserves the apartment to go up in flames anyway because she doesn't deserve this place. I am on Team Seema. Be mean to this lady. Um, and then my second comment is everybody keeps being like, wow, the tablescape, the tablescape. It's so gorgeous. Look, I've watched enough below deck to know what a good tablescape looks like. And that ain't it, sweetie. That it ain't pretty it. basic. And it just had way too many fucking candles. Too I, many candles. I mean, thank God there were no past apps. Someone's like fucking arm hair would have been singed off. It's insane. Oh, and I also the only part that I did like of the vibe and decor was that Carrie was blasting Sade's smooth operator. Oh yeah, that, that was great. That I was like, that was that, great. that is the most believable part of this whole the, dinner party. The, the playlist was fun. Um, I guess we've talked about just about everyone except for Anthony, which just mm. very quickly, finally, uh, he and Giuseppe come to their senses. Anthony is like, finally, I will let go. And so he loses well, his ass virginity. Before that, though, he says, I love you to Giuseppe. Which yes, was which huge. is true. Which was which very I thought was like the nicest part of the whole episode. And I, to be honest, like after, after, after Harry and, um, Charlotte, I would say Anthony and Giuseppe are my second favorite couple this season. I would agree. I would agree. Um, I, I really hope they continue in season three. I really like this relationship for Anthony. Um, and even though this show didn't do justice to Stanford, uh, I, I do wish that, uh, Anthony gets to have, you know, this continued storyline and relationship going into season three. Um, I guess this kind well, of like ends it. I mean, what, yeah, you, do you have any other final points? Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, it seems like we're going to get more of them in season three because Giuseppe decides not to go to Roma. So, to Roma. you know. Uh, but otherwise are there, I think we, I mean, we covered it all. I think at this point, uh, we've we, talked for an hour and a half, hour and a half. About this I show, know. which I have to say, I know we bitch about this show a lot and we have a lot of feelings and we have a lot of fearless sure. feedback that we would love to share with Michael Patrick King and all of it comes from a place of love and fondness. I don't think it comes from like necessarily a malicious place, even if, especially me, I get heated over a certain plot point. But mostly, you know, this show, again, we shit on it. Our group chat shits on it. But we obviously like it because we keep coming back. I have to say, and I hate to admit, it is appointment viewing. I was traveling during the last two episodes, and I still made time in my busy businesswoman schedule to make sure to watch it when it came out because it meant something to me to watch it on time. And it was so 
nice. And I hope we do more of this in the future when the strikes are over and the writers and actors get everything they want because that's what they deserve. Um, that we do more week to week appointment viewing because I think some of the joy and some of the fun of watching the show, especially with uh, like you and me and like in our group chat, is that we all watch at the same time. And it was yeah, nice I to have that shared experience. And I think that that's what's really missing. I agree. In TV in general, not this show. TV. Mm -hmm. I think the tax conversations become the new water cooler. And I really yeah. appreciate that. I also love that it gives like these cultural writers time to really do a good job recapping this. That it's mm -hmm. not, I think the what you lose when you get an entire season at once on a streaming platform is this ability to kind of dissect each episode by episode, give it the time it needs to like have that point of reflection and then do some really good writing. And not to say that those writers don't write great pieces on shows that are released all at once. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I think there's something really special in being able to kind of see one, when an episode drops, like how does it play out? And two, the cultural mm -hmm. response to and reaction mm -hmm. to that episode at that given time. Totally. It makes their recaps more evergreen in a, in a way because yeah. they're able to do that. And I think it's also to your point, like it's less pressure to recap it yeah. week to week than if you're trying to recap um, a, a dump of episodes for Agreed. Um, well, I think we've just about covered everything for this season. Um, I, you know, it's been an hour and a half at this point. Uh, do you have any final thoughts before we, we close it out? No, I mean, other than like, wow, I like hated it and loved it. And I can't wait for season three, which is like Same. kind of what we said last time. I think maybe season one, I was at the end of season one, I think you and I were both less excited for the next season because we're like, oh, that was like such a downer and it was like so much to get through. And but I feel like season two really managed to improve. There were a yep. lot more funny episodes. I had a lot more fun recapping it with you and talking about it and watching it than I did in season one. And I hope if we can just thin out some of these extra characters and kind of amp up some of the new characters and give them a little bit more time to like become real people. And we get a better sense of what fucking time it is just in general. Yeah. I think that we could have a really solid season three. And so I'm glad I that it's agree. coming back. I agree. Um, I think all good notes plus one to all that. And I think that's a great way to end this episode. So we want to thank you again for joining us this summer. We had a lot of fun talking about this show, even at the moments when we hated it. And uh, we can't wait to see you soon because guess what? We have a season coming up. That's right. Season 10 is on its way. You can catch us on September 28th will be our premiere date. We're very excited to talk about all things 90s and 2000s again. Um, and we've got lots of fun stuff coming up. So stay tuned. But if you want to hear more of us outside of that, we have a Patreon. And for $4 a month, you can join us over there at patreon.com slash oldmillennialspod and get a bonus piece of content from us. This month, we are covering uh, a back-to-school trip down memory lane in the form of the Urban Outfitters e-commerce site because every what goes around comes around. And that means bias cut. It means slutty schoolgirl. And it means lots of chunky shoes. And, oh, and the um, cargo pants, the amount and the of cargo, an entire section of cargo pants. <laughs> tragic, tragic, tragic. They never the kids. We didn't learn. They didn't learn from the region of tragic in France. Indeed. <laughs> Only can be produced there. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, check us out over there if you want to. Again, uh, that is patreon.com slash old millennials pod. On social media, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the old millennials pod. And until 
next month, we say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.